Hello and welcome to the Mathematics Teaching Podcast. This podcast focuses on MT280. I'm Tony Cotton, the editor of Mathematics Teaching, and I'm excited to be talking to Alf Coles from the University of Bristol, who worked with two colleagues on a piece called Communicating Climate Change Information in the, free, in the last issue. Hi, Alf. How would you like to introduce yourself, assuming people know nothing about you? Oh, hi, Tony. <laughs> well, uh, it's very nice to, to be here. So, um, I think it's important to know that I was a secondary maths teacher for 17 years and uh, including two years working in Africa, actually, um, and uh, joined the University of Bristol in 2010. Never particularly intended to leave teaching, but I got involved in research and was doing a PhD and um, trying to do a PhD and working full time didn't quite work. Um, so that kind of led me into university and I now work uh, on the PGC course partly and, and also masters and, and some of my own research. And is that is that mainly secondary teachers you work with? Yes, so it's mainly secondary teachers that I work with. Yeah, interestingly, quite a lot of my research has has is more primary focused. Because you're involved with the math the math subs around Bristol as well, aren't you? Yeah, and I I'd, um, had an opportunity to to um, work as a consultant with the NCTM on some of their primary. Um, mastery materials, so, so the professional development materials um, for, for, for primary mastery, because um, I guess a lot of my research is, is around working with teachers. Um, and so that felt, I think they're really, really high quality resources, actually. I, I, I really like those professional development resources they've produced. And you've written in other issues about using those, particularly the videos, haven't you, to start conversations in, in staff rooms? Yeah, so um, there was a practice from the Open University developed in the 1980s and 90s that Barbara Jaworski wrote about um, that actually developed out of something that Caleb Gatenio did working on mathematical films. And the context of this was at the Open University, they were using video recordings of classrooms to work with teachers. And they noticed that you show a group of teachers a small clip of a video and you get quite judgmental comments back, like, yeah. oh, my kids couldn't, wouldn't behave like that. I can never do that or, or whatever. Um, so what they did is they had this discipline where you just focus on, you, you look at short clips and you just focus on the detail of what was happened. So you just look at um, trying to reconstruct what was said, what was done. And only after doing that for about 20 minutes, maybe, do you then move on to thinking about, OK, well, how might we interpret what was happening there? And what they found, and I found consistently then sort of adopting that, that, that sort of way of working is this incredibly rich discussion then happens, um, where often people view the video very differently to their initial reactions. And do you find that makes you view teaching in a different way? So when you're sitting in a classroom observing somebody teaching, is that kind of impacted on the way that you're, what you're observing in a way? Uh, definitely. And interestingly, that was a reflection. Um, so one of the last sort of video clubs I ran before COVID, um, there was somebody who was quite a senior teacher in school. And in her reflection on what she'd got out of this video club that I'd run, which was about sort of working in this way, is she said, when I sit in the back of the classroom now, I'm no longer thinking, why did they do that? Or, or, or I, I would have done it like this but I'm kind of curious about what they've done and the choices that they've made. And so it, she talked about it completely changing the kind of kinds of discussions that she has uh, afterwards. And, and yeah, I definitely agree with that, that 
Um, I mean, you know, 2010, I'm, I'm quite a long way out of the classroom now, so I, I'm losing touch with what I might have done, actually. But, um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, definitely about, you know, just a curiosity, I suppose, um, uh, about what's happened. Um, I, I definitely try to avoid judgment. I mean, if I'm writing lesson notes, I'm, I'm not writing down judgments about what I think's happened. I so what, you're, you're writing in that detail of what of what's happened yeah, no, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. fascinating so you've written several pieces for mt over the last last few years focusing on climate change um and i also noticed they've all been collaborations there were some, some with some with i still struggle to say trainees uh, some with beginning teachers um and the more recent one with two, two, two colleagues in bristol i wondered why why the focus on climate change where that kind of came from and also why why the collaborative idea oh, thanks there's, I mean, I think there's a very strange thing, it seems to me, in maths education that, uh, in maths education research, that climate change is very rarely talked about. Um, and yet it feels like, to me, maths has a huge amount to offer uh, or, or is, is hugely involved in issues around climate change. Um, you know, their mathematical models of what's going on, mathematics used to communicate what's happening, um, and, and the mathematical models are, are linked to, to political decisions, you know, that, that affect us all. Yeah. So, so it's just struck me for a number of years that there's this enormous kind of black hole, um, it, you know, and, and I'm guilty of this myself. It's like I'm carrying on the day job, not really <laughs> looking, not, not really sort of conscious of what's actually going on in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, I certainly, you know, and I've had it said to me, well, is that the place for maths teachers or maths educators to be thinking about that? And, and I, you know, I, th I think a lot about that question, and maybe in some contexts it isn't, um, but 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 I'm sure in some contexts it is as well. And yeah. so I suppose it I suppose it just seems to me really important to try and do all I can to to just to raise awareness of possibilities um, within teaching to to touch on issues around climate change. Um, and and the collaboration feels important because this feels like this is work that is about the classroom and, and I'm not in the classroom. So, so it feels like for this to have any meaning, it, it, it's got to be collaborative work with, with, with teachers. It's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because over the last two years, it is almost like um, the classroom was in some ways kind of ignoring the big question that was in everybody's minds, which was of course COVID. And that certainly at the beginning, I remember sitting at five o'clock every evening waiting for the press conference, which was mathematics. And what you would do was start to unpick the mathematics. And then sometimes there would be phone calls from people saying, well, what, what do you think you should be doing? Because you kind of understand, understand numbers. But there was, there was very little sense that what should be going on in classrooms was kind of looking at the, maybe even the previous day's press conference saying, so what What's the mathematical model of that? Then what what should we be doing? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. And and I think you know, I mean, I think um, it, it's not easy, right? I mean, I think yeah. you know, the curriculum is 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 pretty constrained in in in, in a lot of places. Um, and, and you know, a lot of schools f feel under pressure from from offset and so on, yeah. and, and and results. You know, so, so so it's not at all easy. I mean. Uh, and I feel it can't carry on like that. I mean, I do feel that there, there, there's, there, there's going to be a change. There's going to be a change of curriculum before too long. So, so, so I feel part of this is also developing a kind of curriculum in waiting. This is about developing some kind of practices and, and, and exploring some ideas. Well, 
okay, we're never going to be starting with a blank slate, but suppose we were, then, then, then what kind of what kind of topics, what kind of uh, ways of working might, might we want to, to start with if, if we were really thinking, well, climate, you know, the climate emergency is, is the existential threat to, to human life, certainly, and, and, and lots of other life on the, on the planet. Um, how might we design education with, with that thought in mind? And it, is that part of the reason that you worked with beginning teachers, with student teachers in some of the earlier articles where they were sharing lessons that they'd planned? Interestingly, what I found, and I don't know how long this is going to be true for, but what I found is that the PGCE year is one of the few places where there is a little bit of scope to actually work on these kind of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, because particularly, um, you know, towards the end of the, of the year, um, we're really encouraging them to take risks, to experiment, to extend themselves. And schools are often quite happy for them to be doing that work. We can give them a slightly reduced timetable to give them space to, to think about and research uh, topics. And so we're trying to create on our PGC course the opportunity for, 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 for those beginning teachers to, to, to engage in these issues. And, and, and as you say, absolutely, you know, in the hope that that will be, uh, you know, things that, that they, they take with them and, and experiences that they, they, they develop uh, when they're in post. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about the article in, in MT280? So just kind of a few of the key points for people who haven't read it yet. Great, yeah. So it's with um, Joe, Joe Darren, who works at the Met Office, and Barney Rolfe, who's a teacher in Bristol. Um, and the starting point is really a classroom task. So it's a classroom task that I think could be suitable, probably, probably upper end of primary, key stage three, and could be extended to key stage four as well. And it's imagining that you are a climate um, advisor. So so, so there's like a scenario um, for for the class. You imagine you're a climate uh, advisor. You've been given nine different predictions of what's going to happen to rainfall in Botswana, in a particular area of Botswana. And this is all real data. So so, so nine different predictions of what's going to happen in the coming years to um, the rainfall. And rainfall currently averages around 30 millimetres a month. And these nine different models, one of them says it's going to increase by another 30, it's going to go to 60. Um, and at the other extreme, it's going to reduce to seven millimetres a month, a reduction yeah. of 23. And so the challenge for the class is, imagine you're advising farmers in Botswana, and you've got to write a written report of this data, advising them about the future risks and changes to the climate. Um, what, what might you do to help? Mm. And Barney has this lovely first bit where he talks about uh, doing this with one of his key stage three classes and their responses to that, um, yeah. including kind of, you know, people say, what, what, what have I got to do? You know, <laughs> yeah, like, like, like what happens, yes. <laughs> being quite, you know, it sounds like quite a different kind of task that, that, than, than Bunny often uses. Um, but some really lovely responses. I mean, the, the data we, um, has actually a mean of, of very close to zero. So, so you take an average and, 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 oh, does that mean that nothing's going to change? Well, that doesn't quite feel right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, uh, the majority of the models, of the nine models, six of them suggest that the climate's going to get drier. Um, uh, three of them suggest it's going to get wetter. So, so, so do you go with that? Um, uh, that you know that, that there's there are, uh, uh, there's a modal value you, you, you can look at. So, I mean, and the class do get into that, looking at mean, medians, modes. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think Barney reflects on how 
nice it was actually not having a single answer and also the richness of just working with us one small set of data so whereas in the past you might have just got them doing lots of different practice of lots yes. of different things actually working with one set and then thinking really thinking about it and what do these different averages mean he, he felt was a really valuable opportunity for the class yeah. um, and, and he then goes on to actually extend the work himself and, and, and get starts to getting climate data from England, uh, from the Met Office and, and works with that. Um, and just, just very briefly then, um, Joe then talks about his, his, his actual research into this, which is his research from the Met Office is about communicating climate change. And, and we've got some sort of possible extension tasks um, yeah. with, with some more data around that. I, I really like some of the comments at the end where, where some of the students are saying things like, I didn't realise it was actually someone's job to predict how climate change would affect different countries. People are doing this thing called mathematics for their job. And, it, <laughs> and climate change is, is, is somebody's job. Yeah, and and the, yeah, the different model of mathematics, which is that it's, it's not just a question and answer. It's a whole set of data that you you do stuff with and you, and you make choices about what you're going to do with it. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me also, and this is sort of, I guess, slightly beyond the mathematics, I think there's a very subtle, well, a very complex thing going on with climate change that we know the climate is changing, but we've no idea what that means for where you live. Yeah. And I think this activity, you know, not without drawing attention to that aspect, sort of, sort of makes that apparent. So, so you've got all these different models. You take this area; it's real data. It could go, could go vastly one way or other. It's, it's very unlikely to stay the same. And, and, yeah. and so, I think it's also working on an understanding of risk and the complexities of risk when you when you're dealing with things like climate change. Which, which is the important thing, isn't it? So, if if this happens, then that would be a way of operating. That might not happen, and that doesn't mean. The mathematics was wrong it just means that that prediction might have been wrong but the mathematics can also say if the opposite happens then that might be a way forward yeah yeah and i think it's you know it's one of these things where i think it's how the sort of climate skepticism gets hold that that it's you know because actually understanding those different types of risk is very diff difficult you know trump yeah. tweeting every time there was a cold snap in england in america trump <laughs> tweeting oh you know no climate change then is there you know yeah, sort of very right. basic misunderstanding of, of different types of risk yeah and that kind of takes us back to the, co the covid conversation and the mathematics there is that it was, it was just having a range of decisions that you could make based on your current understanding of what the what the data was saying. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, this, you know, various scientists saying, well, we can present a range of mathematical models. It's not up to us to make the decision about what that, what that means, because that is actually somebody else's job. The science, the science doesn't do that. Yeah. And I mean, interestingly, so Joe Darren's research that this was based on, what he looked at was what are the differences about what climate scientists conclude from the different ways this data can be presented? Okay. And, and you know, kind of slightly shockingly, he found that actually what climate scientists take from the data is very different depending on how it's presented. You know, yeah. so, so even the clients, climate scientists are, are struggling to see through the presentation to the data behind it and, and, and think about that. Um, yeah. And he also commented that, that I think he did sort of 150 climate scientists or something. There was only one climate scientist, I think, who showed an awareness that, of course, what really could happen could be way beyond these models. So yeah. almost all the climate scientists were seeing what's happened. Well, it's going to be within the bounds of the extreme models. But, but of course, not even that's true. No. 
one of the things I quite often ask people is if you were to pick up somebody's somebody's copy of MT and look flick through your your piece, what what would you quite like to see highlighted in there? So somebody's been through there with a highlighter and they're kind of having a look at it. Are there things in there that you thought, oh god, I'm glad they I'm glad they picked picked that bit out? I wonder if I'm going to be able to find it. But there's a lovely <laughs> there's a lovely reflection from Barney um, about. Uh, maybe it was this. So on page seven, um, I would encourage readers to try these activities as well. I found it interesting to push students out of their comfort zone and see what they could produce with limited teacher guidance. Yeah. I thought that was just lovely. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the idea of students kind of just going with stuff and running with stuff. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's that shift from you said at the beginning that they were asking maybe what should we do with this or how do we do it or this this looks like quite different and sometimes there's a shift isn't there to shouting you over and saying look what i've just done what i found out yeah yeah, so so when they kind of take control of the data which is which is fantastic and that's often when what they're exploring is something that's of interest and importance to them yeah yeah. so they kind of forget it's a maths lesson in that sense they know they're doing maths but it's suddenly turned into something that they're they're fascinated about them themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, and it just shows me how imaginative children are that it well, and it actually links to one of the articles a bit later on. That yeah, that was, let's talk um, about that because that was the next thing I was going to talk okay, about. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it links quite nicely. I mean, I thought there was a really interesting article by Rebecca Rosenberg talking about uh, the purpose of a mathematics question and its context. And she has this thing about uh, she draws on a Taxonomy of questions can be context-free, real context, cleaned context, parables, or contrived contexts. Um, Well, this was, in a sense, a real context. It was certainly real data. Uh, Equally, the kind of scenario was slightly contrived. You know, they're not actually going to be consulting Botswana and farmers. And and actually, the the, data is probably more for politicians than than, than farmers. Um, But I'm just... It's, it's so interesting to me, you know, what engages children. And uh, so this is real data, yes, but it's far removed from their experience. I, I wonder, I shouldn't imagine anybody in that class has been to Botswana or, mm. you know, there, there might be some people with, with links to farming. But but it just strikes me about how imaginative children are and, and, and actually how comfortable. And yet, I mean, it reminds me also of all your work with drama and just how easily actually children can inhabit different roles yeah. uh, if, if it's... I don't know what it is. If, if somehow, yeah, if they're caught, if it's dramatized enough, it, it feels like it's, yeah. it's it's sort of um, a dramatizing of the curriculum, so so you can engage in it and partake in it. Well, uh, Derek Derek Ball said something that I thought was really interesting after one of the drama and math sessions at at conference, and he said it's not so much um, walking in somebody else's shoes as putting on a different pair of shoes, so that you you remain part part of what's going on. Yeah. from a slightly different perspective or allow yourself to take a slightly yeah. different perspective and it felt like that's kind of what this this does so you're still aware of the impact of climate change on yourself that's still in the background but you're kind of looking at it from a from a another perspective yeah that's a lovely description yeah and may, yeah. i mean and maybe that allows you to make a dis- decisions for yourself as well so you can explore it from the perspective of Botswana and farmers, but underneath all of that is what do I do yes. about about this thing, this thing that's going on? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. What were, were there any other articles that you? Yeah, can't th- 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 there were several actually. Right. Um, yeah, about that. Um, 
and I suppose the, the others were, were were not linking so much to the sort of climate change bits so much, but 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 maybe linking to some of the sort of work that I've been involved in around around mastery and and, yeah. and I suppose questions of engagement and how to engage children. Um, so the James Baker article, well. I was partly interested in that because Compton Village College was where I did my first teaching practice oh, uh, back in the 1990s. So. <laughs> oh, it's lovely when that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was rather amazing. Um, um, so he's talking about bar modelling and this lovely thing about how he'd been quite reluctant to have a go at using bar modelling in the classroom. And then uh, and then what happened when he did with a group of 12 and 13 year olds uh, working with ratio. And I think. I suppose one of the things that when I was involved with the NCTM and um, consulting on their professional development materials for primary, one of the one of the things I was really keen to try and um, encourage was that the materials would support viewing number, not just as linked to objects, yeah. so that number you know, so, so thinking about number more structurally, and this links to some of the other articles actually, um, where it might you might think about number its place in in a sequence, or you might think number about as length. Yeah. Uh, and and we know Caleb Gatenio's curriculum number number as length was what you know hit the Cuisinier rods. That's how yeah. we did, and yeah. and there was a very powerful Russian curriculum uh, by uh, Davidoff, um, where again it was thinking about number as as measure. And I thought there was a really interesting um, sort of shift in this in James's article, where, where on one level he's talking about bar modeling as a kind of technique, so a tool that children might use for particular kind of problems. But it feels, excuse me, later on, uh, it becomes something a bit more, more subtle for, for the students, uh, and I think for James as well, that that. Um, it's allowing the students to interpret questions mm. and generate a model. And that to me is speaking that it's beginning to give students an alternative metaphor of number, if you like, or model yeah. of number, yeah. um, number as length. And I think that's much harder and longer work. So you can teach someone a technique for a problem in a couple of lessons, but actually really working with the idea that numbers are length. I mean, that, that, that's the work yeah. of, of, of months and years, I yeah. think. And the, the, I think there's a sense in that in that article, as as in as in yours, that it starts off with the students following something and not being quite sure, and then by the end they're kind of taking control and using different forms of mark bar model for different situations, yeah. Yeah. and that, yeah. which I thought was which I yeah, thought absolutely, and that's when you know it's been successful, isn't it? You, if it then, and I think James talks about this, it becomes a tool that, that students can use um, yeah. themselves. We've perhaps got time to talk about just one, maybe one more. Okay. Um, well, I'll try and talk about two in one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Elizabeth Bridget um, talks about place value and uh, Morris Yegado, Yegado, I'm not quite sure. Um, no, I don't know how to say so Apologies, Morris. Yeah. Talks about... Um, Ideas from group theory and field theory appropriate for school mathematics, which I, I and I love both of those. So, and it links to what we've just been talking about, actually, that this sense of there's a part of learning maths which is understanding the structures of maths. Um, and again, that's where the sort of number as an object is, is less helpful, I think. Um, so, Elizabeth's talking about is place value kind of overplayed at secondary? And, and again, it 
when I worked with the NCTM, I, my, my feeling was it, it's, it's overplayed at primary as well, yeah. that, that, that it's place value is this sort of idea, again, very linked to number is object. Uh, but actually, yeah. if we try and expand it and, and think about number in different ways, it place value recedes in importance. And I think the, the Maurice's article is a lovely extension of that about what might it be like to work on mathematical structures without getting into algorithms. And there's a beautiful yeah. description of that. And, and I suppose, just to draw it all back to the climate change, um, for, for me, there's something here about what is it that makes maths engaging in the classroom? Uh, and I've got two sort of ideas for that at the moment. Yeah. And, and, and one is that you, you have a you know really real world you know you, you make it really real like like this is real climate data and, and you know and, and I love your image of putting on these shoes and whatever yeah. and the other is that you make the mathematics real and I think how you make the mathematics real is you offer it in a way where children can hit up against the structures of mathematics so 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 they're not just following a sort of routine or algorithm but maybe you've been given them maybe they've been taught some skills or they're in a context where they can be playing with those relationships of inverse and, and whatever and, and getting a sense hitting up against these structures and, and i feel that you know that that, that, that these articles of bar modeling and, and the maurice's one and elizabeth's one are all talking about that how can we engage children in, in mathematical structures um, working with structures brilliant Thanks ever so much, Alf. That's been that's been fascinating for me as well. Um, I hope it's been fascinating for, for, for you listening. If you want to read the articles in full, you need to join the ATM. Mm -hmm. so if you go to www.atm.org.uk, all the information's there. So thanks, Alf. That's been that's been thanks, fantastic. Tony. Brilliant.